Good. Sure, it's good to see everybody. I was talking to uh, Tom and Pam and and uh, Jack and Sally about. Um, I want to encourage you to to check out uh, Joseph Prince is now on television, and um, it's on Sunday morning, every Sunday morning at seven o'clock, which is perfect, um, from seven to seven thirty. I heard it this morning; it was awesome. It's a uh, USA Network channel 39 on Bright House at 7 a.m. and it was really really good 30 minutes they're 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 showing his uh, when he spoke down in Australia for the Hillsong conference in Australia he spoke a conference on on grace and favor and the new covenant and the finished work of Christ and it was just just tremendous tremendous so I was thinking I was praying if everybody would watch that before they went to church it would change the church it was amazing you know it was amazing. It was so good. So good to hear the truth, the simplicity. He talked about, he talked about how we are so introspective. You know, when we fail and we sin, we, the flesh, we, we try to, we try to, clear, we try to clear our, our, clean ourselves or cure ourselves or fix ourselves. And it was just so good to hear a clear uh, sound, of, uh, a, a certain sound of Jesus himself has done it, has finished the work. We are righteous because we're in Him and because of what He has done and and that He Himself is our life. And He Himself now lives through us in this awesome union. As we rest in that reality, we find ourselves, the mind being renewed to who we are in Him. And, and, uh, And that's the key to everything is who He is and who we are in Him. And then that, um, then the fruit of the Spirit comes forth. Not the works, as he said in Galatians, talks about the works of the flesh, but the fruit of the Spirit, which implies life. Fruit, life, his life. And one of those fruits is self-control. Self-control is not a work. It's not a matter of our willpower to control our flesh. No, self-control is a fruit of the Spirit as we rest in him. Awesome. So cool. Yes? saying how you just wish that this message of grace and the finished work could get out to the broader church. Well, I, I believe God is doing that now because of what you just said. And also, I was listening to Hugh Hewitt last night, and he was interviewing Chuck Colson, you know, who has that ministry. With the prison ministry, yeah. And he, that's exactly what he was saying. And this was on, you know, like 660 AM radio, and he was saying how the church has got to get back to the basic simplicity of the gospel yeah. and what that is. And he talked for quite a while about that, and I thought, this He's talking to an audience who's never heard this before because it's a political show. But yeah, that's right. Yeah. I tell you, God is a great fisherman, and he's, he's fishing for men, and he knows how to be in the right place at the right time. And but the, it's awesome. that message is going out in the most unexpected channels. I mean, it's just popping up everywhere. It is, it is, even in the movies. Yeah. You know, Jesus said the Pharisees were all bothered by the fact that children were saying hosanna hosanna as he came into jerusalem that day and 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 uh the pharisees wanted him to stop the kids from from praising him and and jesus said if if they don't praise me the rocks will cry out i'm telling you if religious leaders don't praise him and exalt him and proclaim his finished work the rocks will cry out movies will cry out talk shows will cry out you know God's going to do it. It's awesome. Because the Son of God's work is not in vain. He did it. 
God never intended us to be righteous in ourselves. Never. He always looked for the seed of the woman that was coming that would bruise, that would crush the serpent's head. But yet the serpent would bruise his heel in the process. The seed of the woman was, was all God's hope was in his son because his son is actually God himself with us. God never intended to put the burden on us to keep the law. The law was added to show us that no, there's none good, no, not one. But until the seed to come, the seed to whom the promise was made came to fulfill all things, to be the righteous one on earth, a righteous man. For the, the Lord sought for someone to bring salvation and found none. So his own right hand brought salvation, which was Christ, the Christ. So we have a righteousness which is not our own a gift. He who has received this abundant grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by this one Christ Jesus. Awesome. And now we are in Him. How can this righteousness be given to us? Only if the Adamic race is first judged for its sins. Only if the Adamic race is judged. And only if a new race is raised. In him. Awesome. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for these truths, for the reality of the new covenant. God, thank you. I pray that your love, your great love, would be so revealed because when we really see what you have done for us, we can only just weep and say, God, you are for us and not against us. He who spared not his only son. Will he not with him freely give us all things? Lord, help us see the favor that is upon us. Lord, we drive away the vultures as Abraham drove away the vultures from the pieces that were cut for the covenant. We drive away the lies of the enemy and we say, no, we are highly favored in Christ. We are blessed beyond measure. In Christ, because of the beloved Son, we have been translated from the kingdom of this darkness where there's guilt and shame and fear and dread. We have been translated from this kingdom of darkness on this earth into the kingdom of the beloved Son. And the same love whereby you have loved the Son, you love us with. The same favor the Son had, we have now in the Son not based on our performance, but based on the performance of one, the seed who was to come, the Christ, my righteous servant, the true vine, the true Israel, the true morning star, the true star of Jacob, the one that God put all his promises toward. And now all the promises of God are yea and amen in him. God, help us see the simplicity of it and yet how profound this work is. Help us see and rest and relax and enjoy this kingdom that is now inside of us, a realm within us, not far away. Behold, the truth is with you. It shall be in you, Jesus said. The truth is among you, John, Peter, but it shall be in you. In that day you shall know that I am in my Father, and my Father is in me, and I am in you, and you are now in me.
Father, thank you that you have given them the glory that you have given me, that they may know that you sent me. Lord, help them know that the same love, Father, that you have loved me with, you have loved them with. Jesus said, thank you, Lord. Thank you for the reality. Thank you for the peace. We now stand in this grace by faith and have peace with God. Open heaven, open heaven, seated with him in heavenly places. Know you not that you have died and your life is now hidden with Christ in sight of God. For he is our shield and our great reward. Amen. I love the simplicity. Like Judith was saying, the simplicity of the gospel. It's simple, but yet so profound. It changes everything. It turns on, on our head, our thinking, our religious thinking, our natural thinking. Because it's all in Him and by Him and for Him and through Him. It's a, it's a rest. That's why Abraham, we saw last Sunday how Abraham was, he fell asleep when, when God made the promise to Abraham. And, he's, and Abraham said, how will I know, Lord, that this will come to pass? How will I know for sure? And God said, I'll cut covenant with you, Abraham. And he had him bring the pieces. You know, we read that last Sunday. And he laid out the pieces of the animals. And this is in Genesis 15. And when you would think Abraham would be walking through the pieces with some semblance of God, cutting covenant with God, you would think that would be the picture. Yet the picture is Abraham falling asleep outside the pieces of the animals. And this smoking furnace and this burning torch coming between the pieces, cutting covenant with each other. And so, and I've, I didn't finish this statement last Sunday, but I've asked Jewish people, and you can ask Jewish people, what do they think this is? What do, you, what, do, what do they see this in Genesis 15? I've never had a Jewish person ever tell me, except there those who have become Messianic Jews and Christians, believers, never, I've never had a Jewish person tell me what, that, they can't explain what that is. Here's Abraham cutting covenant with God, and yet he's not walking between the pieces in Genesis 15 to cut covenant with God. He's asleep outside this covenant. He's outside of it, sleeping, resting. And yet there's this, this billow of smoke and this, and I, I think when, he, when Abraham said it was like a, a burning torch, I don't think it was like a piece of wood and a fire on top of the wood. When you see a torch at night, all you see is the light. You don't see the, the wood, right? Mm -hmm. So at night in those days when they had torches, you just saw this fire. I think it was a flame, like a star sparkling, flame bright, and that light gave light to the smoke because you couldn't see the smoke. It was pitch black. And so you could see this. What is this? Cutting covenant. It was God cutting covenant with God. God was making the promise and God was fulfilling the promise. Yes. He was doing our part too. Right. See, and the seed that was to come was the Christ. He was the torch. He is the light that lights every man. No man can see the Father except through the Son, the Scripture says. He's the light that lights the Father. No man can know the Father except through the Son. And so what Abraham witnessed was what Paul brought out in Galatians, that God was cutting covenant with himself on our behalf so that we would be beneficiaries. That's why Paul said in Galatians that the old covenant was a covenant of two parties. You had God on one side of the law and you had the Israelis on the other side, two parties. And when you have two parties, you have mediators when you have a covenant. 
And the angels were the mediators for God, the scripture says in Galatians, and Moses was the mediator for the people. And this was added after, 400 something years after the promise was given to Abraham in this covenant that was cut within God for Abraham and Abraham, Abraham's, uh, and those who are of Abraham, the believer, like Abraham, okay? So uh, what Paul was trying to bring out was the fact that there's no, there's, there aren't two parties in this covenant that God cut with Abraham. There's only one party because Abraham is not a member, he's not a, a party to the covenant. Abraham is a beneficiary of the covenant. So that what Jesus did, and this is really cool we think about this. Jesus, though he were a son, he didn't need life, he was life. He didn't need righteousness, he was righteousness. He came, but he came as a man to fulfill righteousness as a man for us. It was meat that he partake of flesh and blood, Hebrews said. He's got to be a man in order for us to have any benefit of his righteousness. He could, you know, do you realize he could have left the earth at any time? He told Nicodemus, he goes, Nicodemus, I know these things are hard to understand, but what if I ascended back into heaven right now in front of your eyes? He could do it. Or in the Garden of Gethsemane, he says, no, you're not that I could ask my father and send for 12 legions of angels and I'll be out of here. I mean, he, he lived the perfect life as a man but it didn't help us until he shed his blood. Until he died, we, had no, we could not partake in who he was until he died. And that's why Christ crucified is the secret to our entering into the covenant. Because God made him to be sin for us. He actually put sin, our sin, all our sin on him, condemned sin in the flesh, in his own flesh, in his body on the tree, so that we would receive the righteousness of God in Him. You actually have, not just righteousness as some theory, you actually have, I actually have, the righteousness of the man, Christ Jesus. Think about that. You have the righteousness of a man who lived perfectly on earth. Which of you convinces me of sin, Jesus said. Jesus said, I always do that which pleases my Father. Jesus said, my meat and my drink is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Think of those words, do, sin, work. I do the works of my Father. He lived under the law. Galatians says he was born of a woman, born under the law, Galatians says. He lived his works, were, are now our works. God gives his whole perfect life to you and I. Because of this, he is the one, the seed that was to come, that whom all the promises were made. So imagine this. Now, this is one man on earth that God has promised. The, the law says, if a, man, if a man shall live by the law, if a man shall do, that's what Galatians says, if a man shall do, then he shall live. Jesus said, see, it's, it, no one could have taken his life from him because he did. The decree of God is that if you do, you live. Satan had no power to take his life. He had to give it. And that's what he said. No man takes my life from me. I have to give it because I'm perfect. I'm righteous. It's the decree of God. If you do, you live. Satan had no claim on his life, could not kill him. That's why all these weird scenes we see in the scripture where they're about to throw him off the cliff and he disappears in their midst and walks through them and they don't know where he is. He had no power to kill him. He was perfect, righteous. There was no way to kill him. He had to give his life. He says, that's why when he came, they came to get him, he said, my hour is not yet. My hour is not yet. My hour is not He said, when they came to get him, he says, this is your hour. This is your hour and the power of darkness. And he gave himself willingly. He became our lamb. And this is the great 
the great love of God is that he actually allowed himself to be condemned for us. Now, saints, think about this. Every time you feel condemned when you sin as a believer, you're in Christ. You're in this one. And every time you feel condemned when you and I sin, and I do sometimes, I feel condemned. You know, it's just part of the weakness of our flesh and the weakness of my faith and my unbelief. And, you know, when I feel condemned, when I sin, I want to remember that God has already condemned that sin in the body of his son. It's not that we're just winking at sin. It's not that God is sweeping it under the rug. We should thank God when we sin, not ask him for forgiveness, not ask God for cleansing. 1 John 1, 9 is not for the believer in Christ. 1 John 1, 9, as we've talked many, many times, is for those who are outside of Christ who need to realize they are a sinner. They need, they need a savior. They have sin. They need to confess their sin, agree with God they're a sinner, that God who is faithful and just will forgive them of their sins and cleanse them from all unrighteousness. How many times does God cleanse us from all unrighteousness? <laughs> One time. How many times do you get baptized? How many times do we die in Christ? How many times are we raised in Christ? How many times are we created new in Christ? Is God creating and uh, create, uh, uh, create again? Create again uh, create, no. Is God cleansing again? Cleansing again? No. How are we cleansed? We're cleansed through death. We died once. We were cleansed once. So every time we feel uh, condemned, what we should do, this, the proper reaction should be. Sometimes it's sadness, you know, the, s- the sadness of the Spirit. The Scripture says, you know, grieve not the Holy Spirit. And that word grief there doesn't mean like some preachers will make you feel like that means, oh, I'm so disappointed in you. No, God's not ever disappointed in us. You know why? He has no expectation in you. God has no expectation in the flesh. He doesn't expect the flesh to do anything but fail. So when you fail, he goes, told you so. <laughs> but in the spirit, he has every expectation that the life of his son in us is sufficient. So when we don't fail, we don't pat ourselves on the back either because we know it is not I, but Christ. So when we fail, what do we do? Sometimes there may be some sadness, some frustration in ourselves. But you know what? Peter had that same thing. He said, Lord, depart from me. I'm a sinful man. I can't do this. And the Lord says, don't be afraid, Peter. Come to me. So what, what should be our response? Our response is simply this. God, you're so good. You're so good that though I'm still trying to learn how to live by your life within me. And though I fail many times, you're so good that you're not even counting that against me because you counted it against your son. There's no double jeopardy with God. He judged his son for all my sins. All. That's why 1 John says he is faithful and just to forgive the believer. Because the one who puts their trust in the Lamb, God would be unjust and unfaithful to charge you with your sin if your faith is in the Lamb who took your sin. See, we're we're slow to see this. It's like, no, this can't, that's too good to be true. But that's the wisdom of God. The wisdom of God, and and I'm I'm kind of off on a tangent here, but we'll get back to Galatians. But the, the wisdom of God is this. The wisdom of God is not just to release us from condemnation and guilt. That's huge. 
That's huge because that's the door. But the wisdom of God is because He has made us righteous in His Son, then His Son can live in us. Union takes place. Union takes place. And so what we should be growing into in more and more as we are growing in this, in this Christian life, we should be growing more and more in awareness that we are in Him and He is in us. How many people come to church every Sunday and that thought never crosses their mind that I am in Him and He is in me? Never crosses their thinking. I tell you, there's millions. Millions. And even in this church right here, there are believers I'm, I know that come here and all they think about is, I failed God this week. I'm going to do better next week. I'm going to learn how to do better. I'm going to learn information about what's right, what's wrong. I'm going to study the scriptures. I'm going to pray more. I'm going to, nah, 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 nah. they have no concept that I am in Him and He is in me. It is, and I was miserable. I had that same religious thinking. I tell you, it's a revelation that is all through the scripture, but we miss it. It's, it's because if you are in him, then all he is, you are. And if he is in us, he's not far away. And we can live by him who is within. We can listen and learn from him and be led by him. And, you know, there's no distance and in our sin, he's not separated from us. We've had, we've had drilled in our heads that when you sin, you're, you've got broken fellowship with God. That you've broken fellowship with God when you sin and, and you're out of fellowship with God. That's totally unscriptural. That's not even in the scripture. Period. Zero. In fact, that's the whole point. The whole point of the sacrifice, the whole point of a gift of righteousness is to ensure union so that nothing can separate you from the love of God, neither height or width or breadth or sin. Who shall bring any charge to God's elect? For God has justified. It's the wisdom of the cross to totally remove the issue of sin. Behold, in this new covenant, I'll remember their, I'll forgive all their iniquities and I'll remember their sin no more. And that's not a conditional promise. That is a final word. It's not, I'll remember your sins no more if you stop sinning. It's not, I'll remember your sins no more if you ask forgiveness for your sins on a daily basis. It's not, I'll remember your sins no more if you confess every single sin. No, it's because of the work of Christ and your faith in Him, you're placed inside Him who is the righteous one. And Christ now has been made unto me wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, redemption, holiness. All those things are in Him. And I'm telling you, saints, the big revelation the church needs to get in this time is beyond just the forgiveness and the, the complete lack of guilt because of what Christ did. But we need to get a revelation that I am in Him and He yeah. is in yeah. me, yeah. Him. Yeah. He was the message. He was the life. He was the vibrancy. He was the, the zeal. Yeah. I tell you, saints, that's the only church. And there was love. There was awesome reality. There was not a condemnation. There was not this feeling of, oh, you know, and there was not this silly, silly self-consciousness of comparing ourselves one with another. Oh, why is she wearing that? Why he's wearing that? No. I'm telling you, it's as simple as this. We are in Him, and He is in me. And it is a revelation. It is a revelation. No, you can read the words, you can hear the words, 
but it is a revelation. I know you think this is, good, this is maybe weird, but God is speaking everywhere. Remember the scene in E.T.? E.T., go home. All right, remember the scene? Yes. Telling you, God is speaking everywhere. E.T. is leaving. What was the little boy's name? Elliot. Elliot. E.T. wants him to go. I mean, E.T. wants, yeah, e. wants Elliot to go with him. And Elliot says, stay, go, stay. And, and E.T. goes, ouch. And Elliot goes, ouch, hurts. And then he said, after Elliot hugged him, and this is all a picture. Do you, you, you see Christ in that picture? The resurrection? He stood there with the white robes, the resurrection? Death, resurrection? I mean, God is speaking. And then here's, and then E.T. says this. He says to Elliot, I'll be right there. I'll be right there. Of course, that's just movies. But that is so close to the truth. Jesus, when he left, lo, I am with you. 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 We are his body. He is our head. God's speaking. Rocks are crying out. Even Spielberg doesn't know what he's doing. <laughs> he's a Jew. That's right. I tell you, saints, Paul said in Galatians, I was crucified with Christ. I was, I was judged when he was judged. Behold the great mystery. And nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in this body, Paul said, I live by faith in the Son of God, who's not just way up there, but in me, who loved me and gave himself for me. Galatians 2.20. The crowning work of the Son of God, the crowning work of the Son of God, at the very end, he said, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, you may be also. We have been taught that that means something we'll go into after we die. Jesus said, in my Father's house are many, King James says, mansions. And we have songs about how God is building us a mansion in heaven. In the Greek, it's, in my Father's house are many dwelling places. Paul says, you have become a dwelling place of God. You are a living stone of this house, for I am the house of God, Jesus said. Destroy this house, and I'll raise it up in three days. 
I go to prepare a place for you. In my Father's house, in me, the Son, are many dwelling places. And I do this so that you may be where I am always. We are now, Paul said, seated with him in heavenly places. He is now with us on the earth. He is with us always, even until the end of the world. This is the revelation of a union that when Jesus said, the world's going to rejoice when I die and you will be sad. But in a little while, three days, you shall see me again. And in that day, you will know that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. And now I am in you, Wim, and you are in me. And no man takes that joy from you. Awesome. I in you, you in me. One. Father, John 17, Father, I pray that they may be one, even as we are one. As I am in you, Father, and you are in me, I pray that they would see that they, are, they will soon be in me and I in them. Over and over. The crowning work of the, the, the Son of God's work is that He is always with us now. Really. I'm talking not, not positionally. You're not positionally anything. That's not even in the Scripture. That's a theological term to say it's theory that is going to be realized after death. No. I'm telling you that if you, had, if you could see on the inside of this flesh, if you could see inside this body, you would see the, sh the shining glory of God in Ken's spirit. This is not something that's future. It's not future. That's the key. The power of the gospel is the now factor. Now is the kingdom of heaven. Now. When Jesus came, he says, change your mind for the kingdom of heaven is within reach. Now. It's coming now. It, the, it's, it's among you, but it shall be in you, Jesus said. The kingdom of heaven doesn't come like men think. It shall be in you. A realm where heaven is, heaven has come, where God dwells has come within us. And now we dwell where God dwells. You see, now in all of this, these last few minutes, what has happened to the flesh? What has happened to our temptation to sin? What has happened to all the things we worry about? It's the wisdom of God. It's the wisdom of God. As we behold him, we are transformed into the same image from glory to glory. As Moses beheld his glory, his face began to shine, and he knew not that it was shining. When you live under law and you're trying to check all your, am I doing better in this area? Am I doing better in this area? You're self-conscious of your own righteousness, and that's exactly what it is, your own righteousness. But if you look at him and are just lost in him, and you can't get over him, and you're thinking of him, and you're thanking him, even when you fail, your face is shining, brother. Sister, people are seeing His love and His grace and His mercy coming out of you, and you don't even know your face is shining. It's the fruit of His presence. And it's a rest from beginning to end. I know I'm yelling too much. You think I'm speaking to a stadium of people. It's like... I tell you, I believe it with all my heart, saints. The passion of the Son of God mm -hmm. is to get across, to get this revelation. 
Because you know, everything else melts away. I am in you. You are in me. Never alone again. No need to fear again. No need to worry again. See, he modeled, he modeled what this life was like by walking among them visibly. He saw. They saw him. But then he was going to go. They wouldn't see him with his eyes, with their eyes. So for 40 days, 40 days after the resurrection, he would appear and disappear. Appear and disappear. He was, make, he was preparing them for the transition of realizing he was still there even though they could not see him. For 40 days, he prepared them for this. He would appear and disappear. Appear, disappear. Appear, disappear. And then the Spirit came. Pentecost. And then they got it. And they would go, and in his name, such as I have, I give to you, Peter said. And they heal the sick. Because it wasn't them healing the sick. It was the same Jesus inside of them, healing the sick. The same Father that worked through the Son was now working through the Son through them. The same favor that the Son had, they had. The same peace, no matter what was going on, because He wasn't far away. He, our head, we, His body. Paul says, I know this mystery is great. This union is a great mystery. It's like marriage. When a man leaves his mother and father and the two become one flesh, so is Christ and the church. Behold, the two have become one. And then Paul says it really another place so clear. He goes, for he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit. Corinthians, the human spirit and the Holy Spirit, the he was joined to the Lord as one spirit. Oh, God. Okay. We'll look at Galatians again next Sunday, Lord, the Lord willing. A lot of this was in Galatians. What's that? Yeah. Lord, thank you so much for helping us see these things. Lord, I pray that you would soften our heart. Lord, help us hear these things. For you reveal yourself to the humble. But the proud can hear. And our flesh sometimes is proud. And we feel like we know it and we don't know it. Lord, help us hear. Help us hear. Give us a revelation. You in us, we in you. There's no condemnation. Let us stop judging our brother. Stop judging our sister. Let us receive one another. Let's see our brother and sister in Christ. Know no man after the flesh anymore, but after the Spirit. For we know not even Christ after the flesh anymore, but after the Spirit. And I pray that others will see us in Christ. What wisdom, what wisdom for unity and mercy among us. Let us be long-suffering and patient one with another forbearing one another, encouraging each other in the faith, helping each other see the Christ who is within. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you're with us, especially when we fail, especially when we stumble, especially when we feel down on ourselves. You're right there. We eat the bread. We drink the wine. Remember you. We remember you. I bless now my brothers and sisters, Lord. I bless them with your, your blessing, Lord, that's already upon them. 
Bless us, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name with your grace and your peace. Grace and peace. For you are with us always, even until the end of the world. Amen.